It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study for uh, uh, April twenty fourth, two thousand and eight. We're live. We're ready to go, and we appreciate you taking time out of your Thursday evening schedule to be a part of the Virtual Bible Study tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is away in St. Louis, Missouri preaching tonight and joining me in his place tonight my father-in-law nick law is here hello nick hello jacob good to be with you thank you for coming tonight to uh, help out with the program and we'd like for you to help out with the program as well we want your participation you can do so by calling us at 877-381-4567 877-381-4567 toll-free call for you tonight we'll pay the bill if you'd like to join us on the phone or if you'd like to send us your comments over email tonight, you do so by emailing questions at collegeview.com, questions at collegeview.com, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E.com, and we hope you'll join in over the phone or over email tonight. Our topic of discussion tonight is an important one, and that is our example. You know, uh, Nick, as we live our lives, we are setting an example by default Everyone sets an example by the way that they live, and so we want to make sure that our example is a positive example to the world around us. That's correct. We need to have approved examples before God as we set set our lives in order, both in our uh, things we do, things we say, and uh, the things that people see in our disposition and attitude. Well, nobody listening tonight uh, likely is a movie star or a uh, a prominent celebrity, and so we may think to ourselves, well, we're not on a pedestal. No one is looking to us, but the fact of the matter is that we are an example to those we come in contact with on a daily basis, and our example is going to be positive or negative, and we want to make sure that as Christians, our example is positive. That's right. Uh, we, we can't afford to have it any other way, but we need to realize no matter what uh, state of life that we're in, there's always someone looking at us, and uh, they're uh, looking to see how that we're acting, especially if, if we profess to be Christians. All right. Let us know your thoughts about it or example at 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. We sent out a question for you to consider today in your email if you are on our update list. And that question was, or that uh, request was, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Paul gave Timothy the following instruction. He said, quote, let no man, let no one despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and purity. We see six areas there that Paul said were important as we look at our example to others. Paul told Timothy that he wanted him to be an example in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And our question for you today and our question for you tonight is, what are some ways that we can have a positive example in each of those six areas? How can we have a positive positive example in our word? How can we have a positive example in our conduct, in our love, in our spirit, in our faith, and in our purity? You know, as we look at that verse, Nick, we talked about this on the way to the program tonight. It's easy to read a passage like that and say, okay, we got it. But when you stop and you think about each one of those characteristics of our life, each one of those uh, categories that Paul mentions there really causes you to have some self-reflection, self-examination when we stop to think about each of those areas and ask ourselves, are we being the example we need to be in every one of those areas that Paul mentions? That's right. To be faithful as Christians, we have to sometimes do some uh, investigation of ourselves, And, of course, that's what the Bible does teach us, to look and prove our own selves, whether we're in the faith. And the way we do that is by uh, diligent Bible study. And uh, we, we notice here, even in this, we see that Paul, in instructing Timothy, tells him to give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So as we, as we look at the teaching of the Word of God, as we uh, 
read our Bibles. We need to make sure that we're making the application to ourselves that we will know what kind of example we ought to be. All right, so we're asking you tonight to examine yourself and to give us some ideas on each of those six areas. We could talk about our example in general, but we'd specifically like to focus on the instruction in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Open your Bible there to that passage. Notice the six areas that Paul mentions, and let us know your thoughts on ideas on how we can be the proper example in each one of those six areas. We want your thoughts at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We also will remind you uh, that now would be a good time for you to send an email with your mailing address, and uh, we can provide you with a magnetic bumper sticker to advertise the virtual Bible study to hopefully get more people to join you as you listen to the virtual Bible study and hopefully have more people to input uh, with their thoughts about uh, the, the topics of discussion on the virtual Bible study. So send us your email with your ma- regular mailing address, and we'll be glad to send you one of those bumper stickers free of charge uh, if you'd like to help us advertise the virtual Bible study. Kathy in Kentucky has requested a, a bumper sticker. Kathy, if you're listening, your bumper sticker will be on the way shortly, and we'd like to send one to you as well. So just send us your mailing address, and we'll be glad to supply those to you. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Jim in Somerset, Kentucky, sent in his thoughts today. He said, one of the things that strikes me as interesting with Timothy and, and this passage is its connection to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, Paul tells the Corinthians not to despise Timothy when he came to Corinth, presumably to deliver the first epistle. As quoted before, Paul told Timothy not to let anyone despise his youth and then seems to prescribe a method for living above reproach so as to prevent the despising. In fact, he lists the areas of life that a Christian should be righteous in in order to avoid the despising. All Christians should heed the counsel offered in this passage for the sake of being righteous, but there are other reasons as well. As children of God, we sometimes have to tell people they are living in sin and need to adjust their lifestyle. This brings us back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Imagine if Timothy had delivered Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, a somewhat stern and doctrinal letter, and did not conduct himself in a godly manner in word, conduct, spirit, etc., would the epistle have had much of effect? Perhaps it could have, it could have but how often have we heard people use other people's conduct as an excuse for their own bad behavior. If Timothy wasn't living above reproach when he delivered the letter, many could have looked at him and said, what gives you the right to tell us how to live? Even though the words were from the Holy Spirit through Paul. We need to be an example and offer our lives as a living sacrifice to God, not only because it's right and he deserves it, but also so we don't become the excuse that someone gives for spurning the Lord's invitation. I think Jim really hits the nail on the head there, Nick, as we talk about our example and how important it is. He's very true and accurate when he says that other people will look to us. And if we're claiming to be Christians and we're claiming to follow the Bible and they're not following the Bible and they see error in our life, they see uh, sin and misconduct in our life, they can easily point to that and say, well, I'm not living as I should, but neither are they. And so I'm no worse off than they are. We certainly don't want to be the reason why people give an excuse for not serving God. Yes, uh, it's easy for people to see the hypocrisy in in our lives, and certainly that is one of the things that the devil will use to his advantage to keep people in their sin so that we we have this responsibility. And I think Jim does hit the nail right on the head here, uh, a young man bringing possibly the letter to the Corinthians and all the problems that they're having. And, and if his life, uh, if they can see problems in his life, they're going to, Uh, start right in on him as people do today for us and they will to us as well that's why it's important for us that we have the proper example to those who are around if you're just joining us on the program tonight we're looking at our example specifically we're looking at first timothy chapter six uh, chapter four verse twelve first timothy four verse twelve where paul gives timothy six areas of his life that he should be the example in and we'd like your thoughts and comments along those lines Uh, let us know your thoughts over the phone or over email Tonight, Jim also notes in his letter he received his magnets earlier this week, and he says that he's already gotten some comments on his bumper sticker magnets that are riding around the streets of Somerset, Kentucky. We appreciate Jim uh, for displaying the virtual Bible study up there, and we appreciate him for his comments tonight. Well, 
the first area that we see in First Timothy chapter four, verse twelve, that we need to be aware of, uh, Nick, in our attitude and our uh, example, is that of our word. What do you think Paul is talking about there when he tells Timothy to be the example of a Christian in his word? Well, certainly it would be in his speech, his daily speech, as he would talk with people. Uh, as he is going to be preaching to them, uh, he's going to have to make sure that uh, he understands what the Word of God is saying. Uh, <clears throat> and and how we present that Word is very important as well. Our, our uh, How we uh, study God's Word, how we come across to those uh, of our peers, those who are older, and even those who may be younger than us. All right. Now, uh, we are to be the example of uh, the believers in our word. You know, people that don't know anything about the Bible, Nick, and don't know anything about what the Bible says, know that someone who is claiming to be a Christian doesn't use foul language. That's right. Uh, in Colossians 4, 6, we see the instruction given there, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Uh, certainly, as you talk with people about their lives, uh, depending on uh, their receptance of the word, we see many times uh, as Paul and Barnabas and others would go on their preaching tours, we see that people were hostile, and uh, a young man would have to be careful that he would control his tongue and how he, how he was uh, teaching the Word of God, uh, that he did not uh, use language that was not proper, and uh, it, ought, it ought to be speech with grace be, that would be favorable that God would approve of. What do you think it means when it tells, uh, tells us that our speech needs to be with grace? Well, as I think about uh, uh, it, it ought to be uh, in favor with with God's word. Uh, certainly, uh, we we can win people by using the scriptures, uh, quoting the word of God, uh, and uh, <clears throat> we don't have to be the kind of people that just try to uh, uh, domineer and dominate people. Uh, we need we need to be show, tell them that we're the kind of people just like they are. We're having to study the word of God. It applies to us. It applies to them. And and so in our approach of using the Word of God, we've got to handle it in a right and proper way as we instruct ourselves, and not striving with people, things of that nature. I believe. All right. So our attitude then in in our in our speech certainly is uh, apparent to others, and they realize that uh, we're trying to be a Christian by the attitude that we display as we approach and address them. Uh, certainly, things that we need to be aware of. Uh, back to the um, the idea of corrupt communication, though, Nick. That is a problem for some. And it is a problem for us all if we're not careful. Uh, the corrupt communication is condemned in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, verse 29, Paul writes, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. You know, as I said, Nick, people who know nothing about the Bible, those we work with or uh, those who we live around, who know nothing about the Bible, know that a Christian uh, should not use foul language. And uh, if we are in the world displaying uh, a tongue that is uh, corrupt, then we're not being the example we should be to those around us. They can't look at us and say, there's a Christian, there's someone that I need to talk to if I decide I want to live for God. Yeah, sometimes in in our present-day vernacular, many times young people and older people, for that matter, do not realize that there are words that are slang words. And while they may not use what sometimes people think of as hardcore uh, curse words or, or, or words that would use God's name in vain, yet the uh, slang words that they use uh, convey the same idea. Just uh, seemingly people think it's in a little milder tone and is not as so bad. We have a tendency to think, well, this is not as bad as that, and yet uh, it's still not speech that God would approve of. Well, you know, Nick, it, I, I'm afraid that people aren't even using the slang. Christ, people who claim to be Christians aren't even using the slang. They're using the foul words. They're using the Lord's name in vain. And uh, we have no business talking like that if we're going to claim that we're a Christian. And uh, we need to be aware of it. Nick, uh, we hear it in the media all the time, the foul language, and especially the Lord's name in vain. And uh, anyone that is halfway excited about anything will fire off the Lord's name in vain. It is so commonplace, and Christians today are following suit. They've heard it so much in the media uh, that it is not uncommon, unfortunately, to hear Christians using the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, the things that we see that is accomplished in the people of the world too many and too often comes right over in to influence the minds and hearts of people that are in 
the kingdom of God. It, we have to be on guard day by day as we think about this being careful with our words. Our Lord is uh, told the uh, those in Matthew, the 12th chapter, verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What we realize, need to realize is the words that come across our lips are the words that come out of our heart. Uh, aren't we a lot more transparent than we would like to believe, Nick? By the words that we use, people can tell what's in our heart, and it's not a pretty picture for many of us, and we need to be aware of that, and we need to be on guard because we're setting an example by the way that we talk. The world is looking at us, and on a daily basis, we are setting the example to them of what a Christian is all about and what is that example that we're setting in James chapter 1, verse 26, James tells us the importance of this. In James 1, verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Nick, we might as well just give up. If we're not controlling our tongue, our religion is in vain, and uh, you know there's no profit in it if we are not showing that control of our tongue and not using our words as we should. It's time for us to take a break, and we'd like for your input on the program tonight. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you can participate. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back, and thank you for being a part of the virtual Bible study tonight. And we've asked you to comment on First Timothy chapter four, verse twelve, the six areas of our lives that Paul says we should be an example in as we live our lives as Christians. And we have one. We've got a response from Jim. We've read. We also have one other response from Kelly in Baltimore, Maryland. And you know, Nick, I I wrote the question for this week and. I'm a rookie at that, and I am uh, certainly not as effective as my father in uh, getting responses because we don't have a lot of responses already from the email, uh, but it's not too late to take yours. So we'll take Kelly's responses as we get to the, the topic at hand. Kelly is in Baltimore, Maryland, and she would like a magnet for her car. So, Kelly, uh, that magnet will be headed to you shortly. We appreciate you helping to spread the word in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, Kelly says that her uh, that the example for uh, our example in word she says someone whose speech and life glorify the lord making it clear uh, the christ is their head allowing their words to be of encouragement and edification to the brethren while still being able to control their tongue and certainly appreciate those comments uh, the idea of edification and encouragement nick is another area of our example to our brethren we can either build up our brethren and encourage them to be better in their service to the Lord by the way that we talk, or just the opposite of that, Nick, if we don't control our tongue, if we use the foul language and we speak in ways and discuss things that shouldn't be discussed, those uh, actions by our tongue will be a discouragement to our brethren and be a negative influence and example on them. And so we've got to be aware of the way that we use our tongue. And, you know, Nick, we've talked about the foul language and using the Lord's name in vain. We also should talk about gossip. And the way that we talk about others, that is just as much a problem as using the filthy language. If we're not uh, talking about the right things and about people in the right way, uh, that we can be guilty as well. Yeah, we need to certainly talk to the people that we talk about many times rather than just talk about them to other folks. All right. Uh, you know, give us a rule of thumb on gossip. Um, you know, That's a question with people a lot of times. I don't know if this is gossip or not. I don't know if I should be saying this. How do you decide if uh, it's something that you need to be talking about, you need to be repeating? 
Well, if it's something that people are talking about the lives of others that, you know, certainly would be recognized as a, at least a charge of sin, uh, it's usually a time for you to get that person that's even telling you that information. Rather, you try to repeat all of it is take them by the hand and, and say, let's go talk to these people. Uh, let's try to help them. Romans 14, verse 19 says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Gossip does not uh, usually help peace at all. It usually tears people down. But the next point says the things with one may edify another. So the idea of edification is building people up. And gossip usually is uh, something that is spread around. Uh, sometimes the things that are said, people don't even check their sources to see if it's so. Uh, and uh, m- much of the time they never, fa- they always may fail to go and talk to the person whom they need to talk with about what they've heard. Uh, so I think I think that would be the thing we would do usually with people, and we can find out if people are gossiping uh, or if they have an interest in the other person by getting them and saying, let's go talk with them about this matter. So we need to think about our motive as we try mm-hmm. to, we're talking about. Why are we talking about what we're talking about? Is it to encourage, to edify our great, our speech must be with grace, meant to edify. Is our are we trying to edify, encourage, or are we trying to tear someone down? And if we're trying to tear someone down, Nick, we must check that speech because we'll be the bad example if we're not controlling our tongue in that area. Yeah. Certainly, loving one another, loving our neighbors, ourselves, we have to have that uh, care about our own ourself in the sense that we want to be faithful servants of God, and so we ought to care that about our neighbor All right. as well. Exactly. Let's hear from you on the phone or over email tonight. You know, the next area that Paul mentions in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, is that is our conduct. Give us an idea of what he's talking about there, Nick, when he says that uh, we need to be the example of the believers in our conduct. I believe he's talking about our, our manner of life we have in the King James Version or our behavior, uh, our conversation, uh, how, how we conduct ourselves. Um, we look at examples in the Bible. Uh, the Apostle Paul, for example, in Galatians 1.13 says, For you've heard of my conversation. I think he's talking about his conduct, his manner of life in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. When Paul looks at his past conduct, he's certainly not bringing that up to brag about it by any means, but rather, and he never forgets about what he has done in the past. Sometimes as we think about our forgiveness of sins, it's not that we can forget what we have done, but if we're motivated like the Apostle Paul, we do our utmost not to fall back into that sin by truly repenting, and we make sure that our conduct and our behavior and our manner of life in the future is the very opposite of that. That is, it's filled with things that God has commanded. Well, us Paul used his past conduct as a as a positive, though he used it uh, in the best way possible as a way to teach others and a way to build upon what he had, the mistakes that he had made, and not repeat them in the future. And uh, we need to do that with our conduct as well. Our conduct in the past is in the past. Once we for, uh, obtain forgiveness of that and we cor- make correction for it. We need to put it in the past. We need to use it to help the future to be what it needs to be. Sometimes you do hear people bring up their past almost, uh, and I think sometimes uh, in the influence on young people especially is great when they they talk about their past and they're telling the story and here's a younger person sitting on the edge of their seat about the manner of life in which they once lived, maybe as a drunkard or or maybe in their carousing and, and rabble lives. Well, speaking of it positively, like, boy, those were the good old days. Yeah, and, and we should make sure that we don't use it in that way. We need to be more like uh, Paul in that, and that we're, we're turning away from that, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't hold it out there as something that was adventurous that you ought to try it sometime. <laughs> exactly right. Now, as we talk about our conduct, Nick, and we talked about it, it ties in with what we're talking about with our tongue. Our conduct needs to have self-control. As we talk about our life and the way that we conduct ourselves, uh, wrapped all through that idea is the idea of self-control. Paul noted in First uh, Thessalonians chapter, First uh, Thess- Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse seven: For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behaved, behaved ourselves and we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Paul was very careful not to walk disorderly. And throughout the scriptures, the concept uh, that of how a Christian should conduct their life is the exact opposite of being disorderly. Instead, it's we're told that we should have self-control. Uh, we see that idea in Galatians chapter 5, and the fruit of the Spirit. 
uh, meekness, temperance, uh, or self-control there. Uh, we are to have self-control. That's a fruit of the Spirit. And then we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things or has self-control in all things. Uh, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. And uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey the lust thereof. The concepts throughout the scripture, Nick, are that we have our bodies under control, that we live a life that is characterized by self-control. And self-control is a concept in America that is quite foreign. Uh, not much self-control, not much self-restraint uh, that goes on in any area of an, a life of American today. But the life of a Christian needs to be just the opposite of that. That's right. I, th- I think repentance is right at the heart of that. If we could just get people to understand that repentance requires change, not from the good to the uh, uh, bad, but rather, as the Bible speaks of it, it's turning from the bad to the good. When we put off our past conduct that Paul speaks of, like in Ephesians 4.22, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. When we rise out of that watery grave of baptism, we're a new creature. Things are going to be different. And people, oftentimes, they come out of the watery grave and they live just like they've been living. Uh, wonder what's happened to repentance. There's not a change. And then sometimes we look at a young man like Timothy, as Paul is preaching here to him, writing to him, and we'll... We'll harp on that, and then sometimes we need to realize that older folks need to change uh, in, in their lives. So we see here it is a matter, it starts out in the mind, the renewed and the spirit of your mind. Uh, I think Paul says in Romans chapter 12 that, you know, we, we, uh, we have to uh, change our minds, uh, not be conduct, conduct ourselves as the ways of the world, but let it be a renewing of the mind. All right, uh, let us know your thoughts again on the phone or over email tonight. You know, to tie this in with the idea of being an example in our word and also being an example in our conduct, James ties the two concepts together very closely in James chapter 3, verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body also. And there the two concepts are really tied together, Nick, that if we'll control our tongue, if we can control our tongue, and make sure that we're using words that we should, then that will enable us to control our body as well. And so the idea of self-control runs all through both of the things we've talked about so far, Nick. We've got to have our tongue under control. We've got to have our body under control. We've got to be living a life of conduct that is under control and is in submission to the Word of God. That's right. Uh, Certainly, uh Young and old people need to be easily entreated. James talks about the wisdom of how that we ought to be easily approached with the problems that are in our lives. People can, should be able to talk to us without uh, incurring our anger and wrath. Uh, if we're really truly trying to serve God, we, we'll love God, we'll love his commandments, and we should be quick to listen to what people are telling us from the word of god especially well that's because we want our life to be under the control of the scriptures we want to live a life of obedience and uh, so any uh, assistance that we can obtain along that goal is what we're after and what we desire because we understand that a christian must live a life of self-control of submission to the word of god and behavior uh, that is the example and pattern of uh, Christ's life that we're following in his footsteps and that we are showing the example to the world we're around uh, that uh, we're all about serving the Lord. That's what uh, defines our life, and that's our the purpose of our existence here on earth is to follow the Lord. And so our conduct will display that, and we must make sure that uh, our conduct is in accordance with the Scriptures. Okay. Peter, Peter says it this way in First Peter uh, chapter 3 and verse 8, Finally, all of you be of one mind. You know, us endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, that when we when we find out that we differ one from the other, we ought to be open and ready to open up the word of God and study together. And we ought to love as brothers. We ought to be tender hearted, be courteous. You know, we, we ought to have we ought to show a courtesy one to the other. And certainly the opposite of that would be re- not returning evil for evil. Uh, that is, uh, if we return evil for evil, uh, we would be just like people of the world. And uh, but on the contrary, well, we ought to return 
blessings for evil. All right. Kelly, again from Maryland, says uh, that for the idea of conduct, a person that does what the Lord commands, loving, teaching, forgiving, etc., living a life that glorifies the Lord and shows that he or she is not ashamed of the word of God. Uh, an employee not participating in or listening to slanderous workplace gossip instead of doing their work would be an example of someone who is conducting themselves as a Christian. We appreciate Kelly again for those good comments. We'll take another break, and during the break, we'll give you time to get in on the discussion with your questions or comments. Questions at collegeu.com, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Hello, my name is Kent Bumgardner. My family and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Please join us. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we are waiting to hear from you. We do hope that you'll join in on the discussion. If you're just joining the program tonight, we're talking about our example and what it says to the world around us. We understand the importance of our example. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Paul's instruction to Timothy was, Let no man despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And what kind of example are we portraying to our brethren, to the world around us in those areas? That's the discussion tonight, and we'd like to have your comments. You know, as we look at uh, what uh, Paul instructed Timothy there, one of the areas, uh, Nick, was that he needed to be an example in his love. Um, Certainly something we need to think about. Um, It's easy to read that, that we're to be the example uh, to our brethren in love. How how do we do that? Well, Jesus taught us in John thirteen thirty five. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. And so, uh, love is something that we give. Uh, if, if we follow the example of Jesus, we we see that God loved us. He so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son. And uh, of course, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. So it's not so much of what others do for us, but this commandment is telling us of how that we have a love for others. Um, you know, when, when we love others, we don't we look out for their best interest, regardless of what they have done for us. Well, this is an important uh, discussion because Jesus said that you could look at someone's love and tell that they were a disciple of Christ. And so as we talk about uh, self-reflection and uh, consideration of our own life, Nick, is there anything about my love for the brethren that other people can see and notice that I'm a Christian because of the way that I love my brethren. That is a a challenging thought. Uh, Can others tell that I'm a disciple of Christ by the way that my attitude towards my brethren and the way that I love them in Ephesians chapter one, verse 15, the people in the first century, the Christians there, uh, their love was apparent. Uh, Paul wrote, wherefore I also after heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. Uh, Paul could look at their life and uh, see that they they have love to this for the saints. Um, we have to ask the question, Nick: Can other people look at us and make that same determination? I, I believe that they can. Uh, it'll it'll show forth in our disposition of how we deal with one another. Ephesians four two says, "With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love." We're not always easy to get along with. Uh, 
even though we may think we are. And yet the Lord teaches us that there is a bearing with one another. Uh, there are problems sometimes that crop up uh, between brethren and how we uh, conduct ourselves uh, with one another it becomes very important, how we treat one another. In- I, I like that passage there in Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh or Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, with all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Uh, my version says forbearing, yours says bear. We don't have to forbear things that are pain or that are pleasant to us, Nick. Uh, we went out uh, for dinner tonight uh, before the program and had a lot of good food, and I don't think you had to forbear uh, that uh, that nice dinner that you were eating. No, it was nice. It was a pleasure. It was something very easy for you to uh, to deal with. But uh, this passage tells us that our brethren are going to be challenging at times, Nick, and uh, our love will come through and show through at the times when they're challenging to us, and we need to make sure that uh, we do shine as an example at that time. Yeah, we see the early church, the multitudes there at Jerusalem, as they came and they obey the gospel, and in chapter 4 we see them taking care of one another's needs there uh, early on. Uh, it says, Now the multitude of those who believe in verse 32 of Acts 4 were of one heart and of one soul, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. So we can see that they were taking care of the needs of others, even to the point of sacrificial giving on this occasion, where people sold their lands and houses and distributed. And, of course, then we have uh, where we can see that God's word shows us the very opposite of that among the lives of Ananias and Sapphira, as they lied to the Holy Spirit and uh, did not uh, carry through they were hypocritical. Well, here's a passage that uh, really sets the bar high. In First John chapter 3, verse 16, Hereby I perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, that is a pretty extreme instruction, Nick, and um, likely none of us will be called to literally lay down our lives for the brethren. But we ought to be willing to do that uh, figuratively. We ought to be willing to sacrifice whatever we need to sacrifice for our brethren, Nick, for their betterment and for their benefit. And we need to ask ourselves, are we doing that uh, in our lives as Christians? Yeah, I think that we have brethren in the world today that they uh, they do sacrifice a lot to preach the word of God to people in other places. Uh, we see them giving up uh, uh their way of life in a land maybe where they were brought up and yet going to other countries and, and even places here in America to, to teach God's word. And I think that shows a love for the souls of people. But what what am I doing on, uh, on a regular basis? I need, to, I need to look at my life and ask myself, do I have that love where I'm willing to sacrifice for my brethren? And it's very easy for us, again, in the world that we live in, to think about only ourselves, to be only concerned about ourselves, to me and my family, that's all I care about. And uh, the Bible tells us that we need to look to our brethren and be willing to lay down our lives for our brethren. But our love doesn't stop there, Nick. Our love uh, goes beyond just the love for our brethren. We are to love all men. That's right. Uh, the Lord teaches us if we want to be uh, children of our Father in heaven, uh, we have to have the kind of love uh, that we would, that he would have, that he's had actually for us. We were his enemies, and yet he allowed his son to die on the cross for our sins. And in Matthew the fifth chapter teaches us very clearly in verse forty four, beginning, but says, "But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you." Now they're doing things that we don't like, uh, that we don't have to enjoy the cursings that they give us. And yet, on the other hand, it says, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute that you may be the sons of your father in heaven. So so we see if we want to be the sons of our father in heaven, we have to uh, keep the commandments as Jesus is teaching them here. All right. And in First Thessalonians, chapter three, um, verse 12, First Thessalonians three, verse 12, the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as you do as we do towards you. And so our love needs to be for all men, Nick, and uh, the idea that we would uh, make sacrifices for all uh, is what we're called to do as Christians. And, and we notice these are all written in commandment form. It's not a suggestion that, that Paul is laying out or Jesus is it's laying out. It's not just out. some kind of ideal, and uh, if you like it, if you can do it, that's fine. Yeah. It's a command. That's correct. And certainly, uh, certainly is a challenge for us to incorporate that. At times, uh, with those who even would be our enemies, but it is 
our requirement. And because, again, Nick, as we're talking about all these things, it's our example. It's what we're showing to the world around us, what we're showing to our brethren. Again, we're going to be a positive example or we're going to be a negative example. What kind of example are we showing to those we're around? Are we showing that we are a Christian living as we should? You know, others are watching, as we said before, and we are transparent, Nick. Others can tell what our heart is like. Others can tell what's important with us based upon the way that we're living our lives. So we've got to be careful about our example. All right. Um, again, we'll go up to Kelly in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, she says uh, that someone that strives to love as Christ would be someone uh, who is showing the example of love. Some of your listeners may quote 1 Corinthians 13, and I think they're right on. Someone that applies the knowledge that without love, everything else means nothing, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, and strives to have that kind of love outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 8, shows others what it means to be a Christian. And so we appreciate Kelly for calling our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And certainly, Nick, we ought to spend time looking at that passage and others to find out how the love that we should have for those around us will be demonstrated in our life. I, th- I think Paul is stressing that point of uh, how important love is because uh, if we if we could do all of those uh, things that it would take a lot of effort on our part uh, to accomplish that he mentions there and we leave love out then we've we've uh, missed it all. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com are the ways you participate on the program tonight, and we'd like for your participation. We'd like to hear your thoughts. As we talk about our example, certainly our example is important. Others are looking at us. And, uh, you know, Nick, it is a big challenge for us, and it is a sobering thought to think about the fact that we are displaying to others what being a Christian is all about. uh, The people around us aren't uh, reading their Bible as they should, aren't looking to God's Word. They're looking to our lives and saying, that's a Christian and that's what uh, this life that they're telling me that I need to be living is all about by looking at you and I. And that certainly uh, is something that we need to keep in, in mind and we need to be aware of uh, because uh, we could be giving the wrong impression and we could be causing other people to think, well, if that's what being a Christian is all about, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I think Jesus made it clear that we are lights and uh, a light is to shine forth and show the way. And, and we are the uh, I guess we would say the dim lights when we think of Jesus being the light of the world. We are a reflection trying to show the people of the world what it means to be a Christian. So we have a great responsibility in that area. And too often it's uh, very apparent that uh, there's not a lot of distinction between people who claim to be Christians and those that are around in the world. Uh, they've allowed the world to mold them rather than them to mold the world. And uh, we've got to make sure that we're not guilty of that. We'd like to hear your thoughts at 877-381-4567, or you can send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. We have a listener in Indiana who has chimed in on the program tonight. He says, your conduct is always on view by many and not just those that you're with. Being aware of your behavior at all times is demanding, and sometimes we forget or get lazy about what we say or do and are not conscious of it. Others see us as we are every day. And uh, that's true, Nick. Uh, We can put on a front and we can put on our game face as we come uh, to uh, worship assembly and we're around Christians. We know how we should behave and so we can be on guard. But the real test of our character and the real test of our example is when we think other people aren't watching, when we're just going about our day-to-day activities. What kind of example are we displaying them? Because we're displaying an example, as our listener in Indiana points out, we're displaying an example then. What kind of example is that? We've got to be on guard at all times. Yeah. It's it's easier to, I guess, practice the things of right when you're in amongst people that are are endeavoring to do what is right. But when we go out to our daily lives, uh, school, work, play, how do we conduct ourselves in business? How, how do we conduct ourselves as we uh, interact with people of the world? And certainly uh, that's the... That's the telltale story many times of, of Christians who uh, conduct themselves one way when they're among brethren and another way when they're uh, out in the world, when it is so important that they do conduct themselves in a way that is right. Exactly right. Appreciate those comments from Indiana tonight. Thank you for listening and for your participation. We're going to take one last break, and then we go to the top of the hour. You know, Nick, as we look at First Timothy, First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, we're only halfway through the list. We've got three more areas to talk about. We want to talk about our spirit, our faith, 
and our purity in the last 15 minutes. And so if you haven't joined in on the discussion yet tonight, why not join in? Let us know how we can be an example uh, to the believers and to those we're around of how a Christian lives their life. Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study. We're going to go fast to the remaining three characteristics that Paul mentions to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. The next of those being our spirit, Nick. What do you think he's talking about there when he says that we need to be an example in our spirit? Well, it seems to me that he's uh, talking about the inner man, the uh, the our disposition is usually how I think of it. Uh, as we were mentioning in Matthew five sixteen, you know, letting our light shine before others is not promoting ourselves, but it's a matter of how how are we looking at ourselves? How are we looking at what we're doing? Uh, because we have one exa- one ultimate goal, and that is to glorify our Father, not our, glorify ourselves. That's correct. So we, what we're doing in letting our light shine is realizing that that's not anything that we have created, but rather it's really how we've been created in Christ Jesus under good works. We, we're able to glorify the Father in heaven by doing what he has commanded us to do. You know, that, that ties in with Jesus saying that uh, if you're doing it to be seen of men, then you've gotten your reward. And that's how we need to live our lives. We're trying to be this example to glorify our Father, not to bring glory to us so people think that we're some type of of great people, but because we want to glorify the Father. That's right. We see the apostles doing that. One, Paul, as we used him in examples tonight, and Peter and others. But uh, Paul in Acts 17, verse 16, it says, Now while... He waited for them at Athens. His spirit was stirred in him. You know, you know what what kind of reaction are you going to have, Paul? Uh, is it a matter of going in there with a sledgehammer and tearing down all those idols, or does it matter of going in with the Word of God and and uh, teaching them information that they need to have to understand to obey the gospel? And I think it's the latter. It says when he saw the city was wholly given to idolatry, you know, his his uh, he he was. His spirit was stirred within him, and that's the way it ought to be with us. When we see people that are are not uh, following the right things, uh, it, ought, it ought to get us motivated and and have have a desire within us to want to have God's word promoted in their lives. Let them understand what the truth is and start preaching it. So what you're saying is that we need to have control of our of our emotions. Paul Paul was emotional, but he he had it under he had it reined in. That's correct, and he was able to use those emotions correctly. And uh, you think about Jesus in Matthew chapter 26 when he was on trial, verses 20, or 62 through 63, where he was on trial. He didn't say a word. No doubt a lot of emotion there for Jesus. But again, he had that mo- emotion under control, and he was an example in his uh, demeanor, in his emotion, in his spirit. And uh, that uh, certainly is something that we need to be on guard to of uh, as well. That's right. Uh, Paul, Paul, in writing to Timothy, uh, also in these letters says, you know, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance 
so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And and there are different dispositions of people that we run into. And so as we approach it, sometimes as as the letter Jude writes, talks about how that, you know, with some people we snatch them out of the fire and other times we approach people a little bit different. We, we have to find out what the disposition of people is and, we, and then we need to be like our Lord, Frank, and just, you know, the rich young ruler. What like I yet to obtain eternal life? And and there is one thing you lack, and the Lord was frank with him about that. And, and we need to have that frankness, and yet we ought to have a gentleness, uh, realizing that things that we're teaching others apply to us. And so there's humility on our part as we approach this. All right, we have time to take your calls at 877-381-4567, or we can take your email, questions at collegeview.com. If you haven't joined in yet, why not uh, take the remaining time and be a part of the program tonight. You know, as we talk about our spirit and having it under control, Nick, there's another area where uh, we need to think about, and uh, we need to think about our our attitude. We're told repeatedly that we should rejoice. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 says in two words, gives us the instruction, rejoice evermore. Uh as we think about our life and our attitude, Nick, it ought to be a, a attitude that uh, we're happy uh, for what the Lord has done for us. We're happy for the opportunity to serve him. Yet it's very easy for us to get a negative attitude and to begin to think that we have some great burden placed upon us that no one should have to bear And being a, a Christian and standing up for what's right. Uh, we ought to be happy uh, for the opportunity to serve the Lord and happy for all the blessings that we enjoy in him. We are told to rejoice always, to rejoice evermore. And so as a Christian, my example to be to others should be I'm one of uh, have an attitude of gratitude and I'm thankful and I'm rejoicing uh, in my uh, life as a Christian. When we realize what the eunuch realized, you know, he has his sins washed away and that is a time of rejoicing. And that kind of rejoicing ought to motivate us in this spirit to go on and want to tell other people about how to rejoice of having peace of mind with God, uh, peace with God from having remission of our sins. Well, you, th- you think about uh, if someone has an attitude that being a Christian is just some great burden, I just have to trudge, uh, drudge through it, and I'm not going to be happy. I'm just going to have to somehow f- muster up the strength to get through this life and uh, all of the burdens of it of being a Christian why would that be an example to anyone around me that would encourage them to want to do the same if I'm not uh, rejoicing and happy in the opportunity to serve the Lord? We, 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 we draw a lot of, a lots of strength from the Apostle Paul as we think about all the things that he suffered as a Christian. And yet what he suffered was not because of wrongdoing on his part, as we've been talking about the instructions he's given thus far previously, you know, the conduct of Timothy, his word, and, and his love for mankind, we see that Paul was motivated uh, to live a righteous life, and he was mistreated as much as anyone we read about. And in he the was, New but he was still happy about right. the opportunity to go through those things for the Lord. Yeah, he, it, and it's how he looked at it. He was motivated, as we read over in Second Corinthians four. You know, he's not looking at the temporary, but he's looking at the eternal weight of glory that is there. And that's the way. That's what we have to do in renewing our mind is understanding what are we in this for. We're in this, yes, there's a reward, and as servants of God, you know, we want to please him. Yeah, and Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter uh, 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And so as we go through even the difficult times and trials and tribulations, Nick, we need to keep that attitude of rejoicing that we're thankful for the opportunity to go through these things uh, for Christ. Let's go on quickly. We've got two more things to talk about, Nick, and our time's running short. What about our faith? We're told to be an example in our faith. What's 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 he talking about there? Well, it seems that he's talking about Timothy's uh, persuasion, his moral conviction. Uh, when I think about uh, my faith in the rule of faith, is uh, do I have conviction? Uh, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must believe that God is. That shouldn't be just my opinion that there's a God, but I should be able to have a, a undergirding for that faith. I turn to the Word of God, and I understand I, I rely upon the, the plan of salvation. And so I think here what Paul is uh, telling uh, Timothy is to have that conviction uh, 
of belief in the salvation that is there uh, in Christ Jesus and, and to have an assurance, uh, you know, the assurance that that brings about that our personal faith will have as we are convicted in, in a knowledge uh, of the truth of the gospel. Well, our faith is evident to others based upon how we live our lives, Nick. If we're faced with a difficult situation and we're going to have to suffer for doing what's right, that's when our faith shines and our faith will be an example to those who are around if I bend, if I give in to the to temptations or the trials that I'm facing, if I give in at that time, then I do not have the example of faith that I need to have. And so the faith that we need to demonstrate is the faith that will cause us to have conviction. Whatever the consequences, whatever the circumstances, we know how we're supposed to live. We know the instructions that God has given us, and we're going to live by those instructions no matter the cost and no matter the circumstance. We're going to do what's right. Uh, Jesus, Jesus points out several examples in Matthew 9. I'll just mention one of them. You remember the sick of the palsy is lying on his bed, but his friends take him and they have to take him up on the roof. That, that demonstrates that they had a, a conviction, a, a belief. It wasn't just their opinion that Jesus could heal him. I don't believe they ever carried that man up and uh, took back the roof and let him down in front, but, but it, it's a demonstration of their faith. And that's the kind of faith that we need is a working, active faith. Exactly right. And finally, we're told to be an example in our purity. Give us a rundown on that as well. Uh, I, th- I think uh, as I looked up several of the words, there's talking about us having a cleanliness and, and a moral chastity or purity. Uh, I think uh, Timothy is told in First Timothy 5, verse 2, it says, The elder women uh, look at them as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. So th- this, again, is a disposition of a heart and mind uh, of how you treat others. Uh, he also, uh, as as Timothy would talk to older men, he would have a respect and a reverence for them as he, and treat them as his older people, as his father, as he would his father. And then we, and then we see uh, Titus also instructing along this line. He, he tells the aged women to teach the younger women to be discreet, chaste. I think the idea here is to be pure, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. If we if we don't have this purity, this moral cleanliness and purity, how how can we ever expect uh, for people to look at us and, and uh, learn about God? Exactly right. If we're just as dirty as the world and we've got just as much dirt from sin all over us as they do and we don't have a pure life, there's not the example that we need to have. Uh, to those around us, we can't be the example we can be uh, with uh, with all that uh, on our on our record. In uh, in Matthew chapter five verse eight, Jesus says very simply, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." That's how important this purity is. That's right. And then in Psalm twenty four verse three, "Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in His holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation." Uh, we're talking about our eternal destination here, and uh, if we want to be pleasing to God, if we want to be with him forever in heaven, we need to have pure hands. And, and the wonderful thing is, is God's grace provides so that we can have this purity of mind and heart and be cleansed from all the, the sinful things that we as his uh, created beings have been involved in. Exactly right. Well, Nick, uh, certainly some good admonition to Timothy and good admonition for us as well. We need to be an example of what it's like to be a Christian. We need to be an example in the areas that Paul mentioned to Timothy, in our word, in our speech, the way that we talk, in our conduct, showing self-control, in our love for our brethren, in our love for those who are around us, even our enemies. We need to be an example in our love. We need to be an example in our spirit. Uh, we need to have the proper attitude as we go through this life. We need to be an example in our faith, the fact that, uh, you know, we can talk about faith and uh proclaim faith but uh, what we're talking about here is our attitude or our actions and the way that our faith impacts our life the, the way that we live demonstrates our faith and that needs to be an example to those who are around and we need to be an example to the world that we're around and to our brethren in our purity being free from the sinfulness of this wicked world certainly things we need to think about yeah thank you nick for uh for participating in the program tonight uh, and for your good comments uh, Appreciate uh, your help with the discussion tonight. Enjoy being on the show, and uh, 
getting to listen to it many times. Well, appreciate you for that. Appreciate you for listening to the program tonight. If you have any questions about the things that we said, or if you'd like to comment about the discussion tonight, send us your questions or your comments anytime throughout the week to questions at collegeview.com. We can include your comments in a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we'll remind you, if you'd like to have a magnetic bumper sticker for your car to help spread the word about the Virtual Bible Study, we still have those remaining, and we'd be glad to send them to you free of charge. If You'll simply send us an email with your mailing address. We'll be glad to get those to you soon. We hope you'll make plans to be back next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.